best by April 2016. Ew. Nice. Do it. You won't do it. Do I'm not it. doing it. Nasty. That's, you do it all, dude. Do you want a cookie? Two years ago. Four years ago. It's terrible. Yeah, I didn't pass my box. <laughs> and now it's on the floor. I got you. All right. Anyway, bigger rocks put more flexible airway. It's something that you've got to watch because if the head's too far forward or too far back, that's going to create problems for us, right? Um, let's see here. Inhalation and exhalation. Which one's active? Inhalation. Inhalation. And which which muscle is the main muscle of respiration? Diaphragm. The diaphragm, right? We're going to use that diaphragm. We're going to pull down. We're going to use the intercostal muscles, expand the chest. We're going to create what kind of pressure? Negative. Negative pressure that's going to suck air in. Breathing out is passive. Okay, good. Um, any alteration of air going in and out is generally bad. If the air going out gets difficult, how do we tend to find people? Passed out. Uh, maybe. Dead. Tripoding. is probably a good place. Um, Tripoding is probably someone who's pretty sick. When we know we're really um, getting sick, though, that's that hypoxia, that hypoperfusion side, right? Tripoding is kind of the beginning side of it. Um, let's see, when does brain death begin? Four to six minutes. Four to six minutes after. Your last breath. Your last breath. After. <laughs> Not necessarily, okay? Because how many people have you ever seen like the deep, uh, deep, deep sea divers that free dive? How long do they hold their breath? A long time. Several minutes, right? Yeah. So if they're holding their breath for several minutes, is brain death happening as soon as they stop taking their breath? When does it happen? Oxygen, right? Ah, once oxygen stops going past your brain. So when we stop breathing, we have oxygen reserves, right? We have inspiratory reserve, which is the more we can breathe out. We got expiratory reserve, which is the part we can push out. And then we still have residual reserve, right? Which is a residual volume, which is the stuff you can never squeeze out, right? So as long as your heart's beating, not breathing, you will continue to maintain oxygenation of the brain. Brain death begins once that oxygen stops flowing past your brain. Make sense? Okay, so seven minutes is four to six. Well, four to six minutes and you start brain death. After 10 minutes, you talk about significant and reversible brain death. What's the difference between um, brain death and clinical death? Clinical death is no pulse? Clinical death is no pulse and no breathing, okay? Brain death are Packers fans. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. That's not wrong. I just have to throw that out because at some point there's that argument that comes from the crowd. So I could say Raiders fans. Does that help? That's good. All right, good. Raiders fans. Any football fan. All right. No, no, no. Okay, great. Didn't help. I don't watch football. Okay, you guys are cheeseheads on your own. I bet. All right. Are we still going at this or are we done? Because I can go. All right, great. Sorry. Didn't mean to insult the Packers. Man. Long live green and yellow. All right. Um, head, tilt, chin, lift. What are we going to use that for? Conscious. No. Oh, God. No. no. If there's I mean, no airway, if there's no sign of trauma. Non-traumatic airway opening, okay? You could be completely conscious and still have trauma, right? If you were to fall and break your neck and you're conscious, I should still consider using a jaw thrust if I have to manage your airway. However, most people who are... He's really smelly. Did you eat that? No, I passed it around. Then did you smell how bad that smells? It was yeah. really yeah. terrible. I can't, I can't even have it on the test. <laughs> I thought you were exaggerating. It's no, it's why is it over here thrown away? No, we're passing it around. I no, want it. Pass it around. Does anyone want it? Like the cadaver line? Why do you smell it? Let's focus. No, dead body smells today. better than the cookie. Yeah, me too. Okay. That's not wrong. <laughs> so. A traumatic airway opening. We use jaw thrust for anybody we suspect trauma on. And remember, it's just as simple as having that low of a threshold as we suspect. You got someone you find in the back of an alley. How should you open their airway? Jaw thrust. Jaw thrust. Okay, if they're unconscious, jaw thrust. Somebody who you find by on a playground. 
under the slide. Jaw, jaw, jaw thrust. Jaw thrust. Uh, by a bike path. Jaw thrust. Laying in bed. Mm. Head, head tilt, tilt chin lift. Don't, don't be like, now, if a ninja broke in and <laughs> chin, put her back in bed. Okay? I mean, there's reasonable stuff, right? Uh, but if there's enough force to knock somebody out or something like that, you should probably be considering jaw thrust as your initial um, airway maneuver, right? Okay. Um, breath sounds. Where do we take breath sounds? Second and third intercostal space. Okay. Second or third intercostal space, midclavicular. Yes. Where else? Mid-axillary. Where mid-axillary, though? The fourth or fifth? Fourth or fifth intercostal space. Well, what if she's 80? <laughs> her abdominal sounds. <laughs> or if just endowed. I mean, I don't want to cast dispersion on anybody or whatever, but, you know, yeah, not nipples. <laughs> See, Second and third the guys and fourth and fifth on the side. Ten inches. And <laughs> So, fourth or fifth intercostal space, and then subscapular, right? Subscapular. Now, uh, when, how are we going to listen to breath sounds? Equal on both sides. Well, that's what we hope to find, but how are we going to listen to them? Auscultating. Auscultate, which means to use? Stethoscope. Stethoscope, and then? Full inhale, full exhale. Full inhale, full exhale. All the way through the cycle, because when does wheezing begin? At the, end. At, the end. At the end of exhalation. Okay, that's really the first place you start to hear it. Okay, what about an OP? What does that stand for? Oral. I always love to hear that because it's always like, oral airway. <laughs> okay, oral pharyngeal airway goes in. What's its job? Keep the tongue back. Keep the tongue up off the back of the throat. We're going to put it in sideways reverse, spin it into position, right? How are you going to measure that? Teeth to jaw. Teeth or the lips to the corner of the jaw. Right? Um, who is that good for? People that don't have a gag reflex. People that don't have a gag reflex. That's probably going to be people who are unconscious. unconscious. Because most conscious people have a gag reflex. And if they're conscious and they don't have a gag reflex, it's not like, here, watch this. Okay, it's not a party trick. Um, so if they do have a gag reflex, what should you change to? NP, which stands for nasal pharyngeal airway. So how are you going to measure that one? From their nose to their ear. From their nair to the earlobe or the corner of the jaw is fine. You shouldn't be stretching it out. Let it follow its natural curve, right? And when we put it in, how are we going to put it in? Bevel towards the septum. Bevel towards the septum. Everybody's good on that idea, right? And you might need to lubricate it with what? Water-based. Non-petroleum. Okay, so, yep. Besides, like, facial trauma, is there, like, a contraindication to an MPA? Not really. If you meet resistance, stop. If you have big head trauma, you want to be really careful with an NPA. There's always the stories of, you know, the person who intubated somebody in the brain because they had the cribriform palate fracture. That's just not, you know, it's like that one guy mm -hmm. that you heard about once, but everybody hears about it, right? Okay. okay. Um... Suctioning, how long do we suction for an adult? Up to 15 seconds, and then what do we do? Well, yeah, ventilate, for how long? One second. Five seconds each, 10 or 12 per minute. Ventilate for two minutes, Chris. <laughs> ventilate for two minutes, then suction again. But it's 10 or 12. 10 to 12 what? Sorry, compression. Compressions? Ventilations. Ventilations. Back squeezes. 8 to 5 on the way out, Chris. 8 to 5. 8 to 5. He knows what that means. It's a marchy thing. Okay. So, uh, we're going to breathe for them. How do we know we got good ventilation happening if we're ventilating a patient? Chest rise. Chest rise and fall. Skin color improves. Skin color improves. Pulse improves. Pulse improves. Um, they become more alert. Mental status improves. They stand up and say stop. That's mental status improving. <laughs> you, tickle, you tickle them. Pulse ox. Pulse ox improves. Okay. 
That's a good one, too. You're ventilating at the proper rate, which is, as Chris told you, 10 to 12, 10 to 10 to 12 breaths a minute, which is every five to six five seconds, to six. right? You're good. See? Um, if you've got somebody who's sick, who's hypoxic, who has hypoperfusion, what are you going to do for them for oxygen? Give them oxygen. Give How them much? 15 liters. 15 liters. How? Non-rebreather. Non as long as they're ventilating well. Right? If they're not ventilating well, then we'll discuss, you know, we'll go back to ventilating. Uh, let's see here. Most people who are having problems breathing, what position should they be in? Fowler. Fowler. Should they be in recovery position? No. Who should be in recovery position? Someone who's throwing up. No one. Multiple unconscious people. You don't have anything else better to do than to pose them like brooms in Walmart. <laughs> You've seen the pictures, huh? Yeah. It only happens one day a year, every day of every year. Okay? Just 24 hours a day can you make that happen. Um, let's see here. Give me some signs of, like, problems breathing. We already said tripoding, but what are some of the other things? Apnea. Well, that's not breathing, so that... Well, that's a sign. Uh, they're, uh... Gurgling? Yeah, Gurgling. Yeah. Maybe JVD. Cyanosis. What are you trying to say? Retractions. Retractions. Okay. Retractions. Oh, abnormal. Um, it's when like when they're breathing in and their accessory muscles are like. Ah, accessory muscle in. use. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one too. Those are bad, right? You start thinking about hypoxia. What are some of the signs of hypoxia then? Cyanosis. Cyanosis. One more. What's that? Altered mental status. Altered mental status. So where does that start? I mean, does it start in with mild hypoxia? Do you start off being altered? No. No, no. no. you're kind of what? Yeah, kind of anxious, that side of things. If it gets more, then you start to get confused and really more altered. Um, pale, cool skin. That signs a shocky look kind of stuff. That's in there too. So we talked about non-rebreathers. Who gets that? People having a hard time breathing. People who are diaphoretic. Okay. Maybe diaphoretic. What if I just ran a race? I stubbed my toe. You shouldn't be blue. Well, I shouldn't be blue, but that's not diaphoretic. That's cyanotic. Oh. Right? Maybe diaphoretic sweating. Brain apnea. Okay. Maybe if they're slow. But if they're slow, should we just give them a non-rebreather? Oh, uh, no. Because is that adequate breathing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they have good tidal volume. Okay, so I got good tidal volume at six a minute. No. That's inadequate. That's inadequate. So what should you do? Ventilate. No, not non-rebreather. Ventilate. So here's the deal. You can be adequate and labored, adequate and noisy. You can have a lot of those things, but adequate means that you can put them on oxygen. Inadequate says you need to ventilate them. Okay? They're breathing 30 times a minute and shallow. Is that adequate or inadequate? Inadequate. It's generally inadequate. Now, I'm hyperventilating and I'm breathing 30 time, 36 times a minute and deeply. I'm still conscious. Do I need to be ventilated? No. No, no. probably not. But I'm, as I'm cramping up, you're going to need to start coaching me to fix that rate, right? So, but if I'm 30 shallow and working but I'm still conscious, the oxygen may be a good place to start along with some drugs to open up my, my respiratory system. We're gonna learn that in pretty much as soon as we start 122 on Thursday. But from there, the problem becomes, um, do we have, um, are, we, are we adequate enough right now? Do we need to ventilate that person yet? That's that thing. Most conscious people, you don't need to ventilate. It's actually kind of rare, okay? Um, if they can't stand the nasal or the can't stand the non-rebreather because it's horrible, what should you do? Nasal yeah, switch to the nasal cannula. What should you set the nasal cannula at? Two liters per minute. Six max. Six. Six. Yeah. If you thought they needed this and they can't take it, um, how much should you give them? Six. Six. How much do you run this at? Fifteen. 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 What's the range though? Ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. Okay. So you got this or you got this. If you switch to this, you should probably be going at six. six. But what's the range for that? Two, Two to six. six. Well, up, up to six, six, right? 
Because if you only need one liter to get them above 94%, then one liter is completely fine. Okay. How much oxygen can you deliver with this? 15. About 95% is what you're going to get effectively on the way in. What about this at 6? 20 to 64. It's like 44 is the max that you're supposed to be running through there. Did you guys try a nasal cannula at 6? How'd that feel? A little weird. Like, eh. Now wear it for 20 minutes because it really gets pretty horrible. It's not like going to turn on and you're going to be like, oh, I got to have this off. But yeah, it sucks. Um, let's see here. We were talking about tidal volume also, and I kind of want to go back to this idea for tidal volume. Um, what's normal tidal volume? Five hundred. No. Daytona five hundred. One point five liters. Well, five hundred milliliters. milliliters. What? Yeah, But we got to talk about an average. Everybody's going to be different, right? But it's an average of about a half a liter per breath. Okay, five hundred milliliters is about average. What's the dead space? Hundred and fifty. Does that ever change? No. No, not unless you cut out somebody's lung and then that space changes, but also their ventilatory capacity changes. So that's a whole other thing. But what kind of things could decrease tidal volume? Elevation. Not necessarily tidal volume. You're still bringing in and out. The problem is the molecular structure is a little bit harder. Shallow breathing. Shallow one of them. Asthma. Stab in the lung. So. Asthma, because of constriction, can. Stab in the lung is an interesting thing because you're right. If you had a lung that was collapsing because of that, what would happen to chest rise? Unequal. It might be unequal. So unequal chest rise could be a sign of bad uh, tidal volume. That gives me up. Since you're breathing too much, right? So, yeah, at some point that can be the cause because if you're breathing too quickly, you don't have fill time, yeah. right? All right. Okay. CPAP, where do we usually see that? Potentially. What's that? What does CPAP stand for? Yeah, continuous positive airway pressure. This is people with sleep apnea. They sleep with CPAP. We can also use CPAP to help people breathe. So here's the deal. Before we used to like nasally intubate conscious people to help them breathe. Now what we do, we put them on CPAP. It helps, it bridges open the airways because it always has a little bit of pressure. And so it helps them breathe in. It's a little harder for them to breathe out. So it becomes more of an active process there, but it makes the breathing a whole lot better. So CPAP is a really good choice for a lot of people. <clears throat> mouth to mouth, when are you gonna do that? Never. You're not. When are you going to do mouth to mask? When you're by, when you're by yourself. And honestly, you're not going to do that because what are you going to do? BVM. Because you guys are good enough to BVM somebody by yourself. But if you were to ask on a test, mouth to mask. Mouth to mask. Okay? The frog. Low restrictive oxygen powered ventilation device. Don't worry about that. I am not going to test you on those. What is a stoma? Some that hole in your neck. And when should you do mouth to stoma? Never. <laughs> Never. Not even if they're pointing a gun at your head. <laughs> what is FBAO? Foreign body airway obstruction. Yeah, foreign body airway obstruction. This is choking. How do we fix that? Or chest. Okay, you're going to do abdominal thrusts. What if they're pregnant or obese? You can't get your arms around them? Chest compressions. What happens if you're fixing somebody with a foreign body airway obstruction and they become unconscious? CPR. Start CPR. What causes, uh, <coughs> excuse me, gastric distension? You fill the stomach What do you mean by overventilation? Too, too big. Too big of a ventilation. Okay. Too much, too fast, right? Because remember, your esophagus is a muscle in the back that holds itself closed. And if you breathe too hard or too fast or too much, you can actually cause that esophagus to open and it will pull the air down in the stomach. That causes gastric distension. Then what do they do? Vomit. Throw up. Vomit. That's good stuff. Agonal respirations. What are those, Kira? What? What? I was yeah. trying to write Agonal respirations. 
I didn't hear it again. <laughs> Agonal respirations. Agonal respirations, like tripoding, and or like. Do you want to phone a friend? Because I got sure. you really flustered right now. Yeah. Phone a friend. Pick somebody. Pick somebody. Oh no. Oh, you pointed at Megan. Yeah, sure. Okay, Go, good. Megan. So just like kind of random gaspings. Occasional random gap, random gasping respirations. When do we usually see those? Before the dying people. Yeah, either just before they die or just after their heart has stopped. It is fairly common. As much as seventy percent of people may have um, some occasional like agonal respirations in sudden cardiac arrest. Okay. Um, so if you have somebody who is apneic, what does that mean? Not breathing. They're not breathing, and so if they're not breathing when oxygen stops flowing past your brain and we understand residual air volume, how long does it take for brain damage to begin? Four to six, Four to six, six minutes. minutes. So how fast are we going to ventilate that adult patient who has a pulse but is not breathing? Every five seconds. Every five to six, six seconds. seconds or every 10 to, 10 to 12 a minute, right? Or what about a pediatric patient? Oh, Five still the magic number. But it's no, it's not the same. Three to five. Okay, three to five. It's once every. That's um, either twelve to twenty breaths a minute. Okay. You should know that. I don't care about Celix maneuver. Snoring respirations. What causes it? Tongue. Tongue and tissue. How do you fix it? Tilt their head. Yeah. Position the airway. Gurgling respirations. What do you do with it? Suction. Suction it for how long? 15. 15 seconds. What if it's a pediatric patient? Five. Five. What are you going to watch for? Drop in. When you're suctioning, it can stimulate. So pulse ox is part of it because most of the time if you're suctioning, you're not getting ventilation at that point. Pulse. Mammalian dive reflex, right? It's that um, gag reflex back here, your uh, vagus nerve. If you're stimulating that back there while you're doing it, you can drop their pulse and blood pressure. If their heart rate drops off while you're ventil or while you're suctioning, you should stop suctioning. And then you should do what for the next two minutes? CPR. Ventilate. ventilate. So you're going to ventilate for two minutes, and if you need to suction again, then you suction again. What causes wheezes? The bronchioles constrict. The bronchioles constrict, says Hermione. You agree with him, Nick? Sure. Sure. No. Burke? Yeah. Yeah. So I got a sure yeah. Or if you'd have done it the other way, it'd have been a yeah, sure. What do you think? I agree. Bronchial constriction. The smaller those bronchioles get, they start to make little whistly sounds, just like when you make your aperture of your lips smaller. You can whistle, right? Um, crackles. What are crackles caused by? Uh, mucus. So, so this is subcutaneous emphysema, and it sounds, it feels kind of like Rice Krispies, but it's not really crackles lung sounds. Crackles is by fluid, okay? Small amounts of fluid, okay? It's little tiny popping sounds. If you've got long hair and you can rub it in front of your ear, that's kind of the sound of, of crackles. You don't have long hair and you know someone with long hair, ask them to rub it right in front of your ear. Okay? <laughs> if you think about um, Ronchi, okay? Can I borrow your cookies? Go for it. Okay? Ronchi is caused by bigger mucus in like the, the bronchial, bronchi, bronchus passageways instead of the bronchioles. It's more of that kind of sound. When you breathe, it's more of a plastic bag kind of sound. Um, yeah, paradoxical motion, we kind of talked about that, that uneven chest rise, we talked about it being unequal. Paradoxical motion is when you're breathing in, part of your chest collapses. We'll talk about that more with trauma, I'm not too worried about it on this. Um, intubation we're not doing in this one, we won't deal with that until next thing. Do, 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 do. And then that brings us to scene size up, and how cool are we doing right now? Good, good, glad to hear it. So under scene size up. Um, where does it start? Where does scene size up begin? When? Dispatch, okay? 
So, Megan, you did dispatch. I didn't know that about you. So, as she dispatches and she's trying to get the information, do you always get all the right information? No. Is it your fault? No. It's their fault, right? Stupid little peasants who call 911 expecting me to stop doing my nails. And damn, now I got a type that's going to mess everything up, right? Totally. Totally. They try sometimes. Sometimes they're too panicked to give you good information. Sometimes they're too angry. Sometimes there's too much happening. Sometimes they can't even talk. Sometimes it's a language thing, right? There's a lot of things. But at the beginning of dispatch, that's where your scene size up starts with things like what part of the world am I going to? Is it sketchy or not sketchy? Am I going to the refineries? Okay, that doesn't even have to be sketchy. It could be dangerous. Am I going to one of the greenhouses? Greenhouses can be dangerous, right? Venus flytraps. Okay? Or organophosphates, which can be bad. So if we start thinking about all of that right there at dispatch, that's where scene size up begins. You should know the order of operations for this test, right? It's BSI, scene safe, number of patients, additional resources, mechanism of injury, or nature of illness, and evaluate for C spine, right? This is part of our checklist. Right? This will help us out. It's a checklist. It creates better thinking on scene. Right? It makes sure that we're not missing things, but it's about better thinking. Once you get through your scene size up, what's next? Primary. What's the first part of primary? General impression. Stable or unstable. Those are the two words you want. Stable or not stable. And you're going to do that based off of your patient. If I'm sitting here like this saying, oh my God, I'm really short of breath. It's horrible. I can't believe I'm so short of breath. Am I stable or not stable? Stable. Stable. I'm standing here clutching in my chest saying, oh my gosh, my chest hurts a whole lot. I'm so sore. Am I stable or not stable? Stable. Stable. But I'm clutching in my chest and I'm struggling to breathe and I'm diaphoretic. I am unstable. unstable. I broke my finger. Stable. stable. I cut my hand off. Unstable. Maybe. Maybe. If there's not a lot of blood loss, do what is an emergent return to the hospital going to do for an amputated hand? Zero, right? Unless you're driving hours and hours to get him somewhere, we can put that hand on hours down the road, right? So take the hand with you. Okay? As you sit in the back of the thing, don't be like, hey, give me high fives, right? Don't be like, I just got a question, right? But to take the hand with you. So they may be stable or not, but we use the condition of the patient, their skin, all of that to make those decisions, right? Um, after general impression comes? Avfu, your level of consciousness. Okay? That's not your mental status. Your mental status is AO times four. Right? Your level of consciousness is, are you A, which means what, Daniel? Alert. Alert. So how do you prove I'm alert? Um, your eyes are open. My eyes are open. I'm looking around. Now, if I'm dead and my eyes are open, am I alert? No. No, I'm dead. Okay? So uh, his eyes were open. He was clearly alert, right? So, yeah, eyes open. Got some kind of something happening. Okay? What's next, Jordan? Verbal. So what makes me verbal? I don't even necessarily have to say, yeah. Right? Bad voice. Right? So respond. If I were to moan to that, if I were to open my eyes to that, that would be a response to verbal. It doesn't have to be they open their eyes, blink around, look at you and be like, yo, what up? Right? What would be painful, Alex? Response to painful stimuli. So how are you going to create painful stimuli? Pinch your ear. Pinch my ear, Spock pinch, sternal rub. Okay, don't do this in sign language. It's not what you think. I need a drink. Nope, not right. Fingernails. My wife barely teaches junior high kids who think that's hilarious. Yeah, no, no. Took a couple years. Don't do that. I need a drink. No. No, you don't. Water. Okay. Anyway, what were we saying? Yeah, don't do that. Sorry. This is not my class time. I can say what I want. Go away if you don't like it. All right. Um, and then unresponsive is? Unresponsive. Unresponsive. <laughs> this is where I tell ex-wife jokes. Now, um, then we come up with the chief complaint, right? What's the chief complaint? Uh, 
Ow, my chest. The reason they call me. Why did the patient call 911, right? And it's not because my daughter made me. Okay, so that if, if he says, if you say, why'd you call 911? They say, my daughter made me. You don't put that down as the chief complaint. Okay, you use a little bit of thinking. What if they can't verbalize a chief complaint? You make it for them. Yeah, assign one for them. It could be altered mental status. It could be aphasia, not being able to speak. Um, it could be a lot of different things. Unconsciousness, it could be cardiac arrest, right? Uh, so assign them one if they can't verbalize one for you. Okay? And then we start our ABCs. Which comes first? Always? No. Ah, if they're conscious. If they are unresponsive, what comes first? C. C. We check a pulse. It's CPR rules. So if you have an unresponsive patient, you better check C first to see if you need to do CPR on them, okay? Otherwise, you start with A, okay? So it's C-A-B or A-B-C. You walk into a room and you've got um, Vanessa sitting there. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good, look at that. She is alert, her airway is patent, I already know that, and her breathing is adequate because she's not showing any signs of hypoxia. She may, be, she may be labored inadequate, she may be shallow inadequate, I haven't really assessed it enough, but she's talking, right? So I got something happening. That's where we start with. So airway, we want patent or in patent, not patent, which would be obstructed, right? And patent has different levels, right? If you've got somebody with strider, is it patent or not patent? Patent. Yeah, if they're moving enough air to keep them alive. If it's really super tight, that's maybe not patent. And then I need to get in there with a tube and fix it. But if, you know, making sounds means that you're at least moving some air, right? Versus being completely <laughs> obstructed. That's a problem. So what do we do if the airway's obstructed? Unobstructed. Unobstructed. Yeah. <laughs> fix it. Is that a life threat? Yes. 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 Is that the biggest life threat? Yes. 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 What would be the bigger one? Bleeding out? No, because without ox, without air, it doesn't matter. You could, you know, I mean, I know we need those red cells, but yeah. And if we walk up and Jesus is bleeding violently and he's got a foreign airway obstruction, guess what? I'm going to do both. I'm going to have somebody grab on to stop the bleeding as I start assessing the airway. But airway is, you know, kind of our most important piece in this. So we fix things in order. So if they say you just cleared uh, foreign body obstruction from your patient, what's your next step? Secure the airway. Assess breathing. Because yeah. A, then B. B. Now, if they were unconscious and you were doing CPR on them, that would be different. What do we call it when we fix somebody with CPR and their pulse starts again? Resuscitation. No, that's, resuscitation is the act of getting to that. <laughs> No pens. We call it ROSC, R-O-S-C, right? Return of spontaneous circulation. That's a term you should know. Okay? Return of spontaneous circulation. So, we got an airway, she's talking to me, now we're gonna assess breathing. What kind of things do we assess breathing for? Rate rhythm quality. We'll call quality, and that's like depth, right? Tidal volume. Is it is it good breathing? Is it shallow, or is it is it euphoric and it's really deep? So we're going to assess it, and along with that, we're assessing if they need oxygen, okay? Because if you put oxygen on somebody, then you move to the next step, right? So it's airway, breathing, O2. Then what? Circulation. Where should you check first on an adult? Radial. Yeah, their pulse. Where? Which one? Radial pulse. Okay. If they're unconscious, start with carotid. That's fine. But conscious, you should start the radio. You don't just want to be like, hey, how you doing? My name's Greg. I'm with the ambulance, right? Um, so don't start by choking them out, but start that process, okay? So we're going to check the radial pulse. What are we feeling for? Rate rhythm, Rate, rhythm, and quality. Okay. What else are we doing to assess circulation? Skin color, temperature. Who do we who do we check cap refill on? Infants. Old people. Infants. 
And not old people. Grapes and raisins. Just grapes, not raisins. Raisins already got a lot of circulatory problems. They also live on the edge of dehydration all the time. But, but babies and small children, those are the ones you want to be doing cap refill on, okay? Um, so we check pulse, rate, rhythm, and quality. What's next? Skin. Skin, Skin. we're going to check. Color, temperature, and condition, and we're going to look for bleeding because blood belongs. If it is, then we should fix it. Good call. Um, what's an average adult rate? 60 to 100. Most people is probably going to be in that 60 to 80 range, but 60 to 100 is a good number because if it's over 100, we call it tachycardia. If it's less than 60, we call it bradycardia. Okay. What about a baby? Where do we check a pulse? Brachial. Okay, brachial pulse. Okay, and um, we worry about uh, brachial pulses because they're kind of hard to check sometimes. If you're not sure you got it, cap refills that good backup. And if you need to count, get your stethoscope, put it on their chest, and listen. Okay, because I'll tell you, brachial pulses sometimes are tough to find on little babies. Okay, um, when do we fix? Bleeding, major bleeding. When it's life-threatening. Okay, hold on. When you said what? Well, if it's outside the body, you should stop it. But if I'm bleeding a little bit from my head, should that be your first priority? Okay. Okay, before vital signs. Right? It's part of that circulation step, so we fix it before vital signs. You're not going to see that they're bleeding a lot and then try to take some vital signs and stop the bleeding later, right? No. We fix life threats as we find them. Airway, it's obstructed. We fix it. Airway's clear. We look at breathing. Breathing isn't adequate. We fix it. We ventilate them. Breathing is adequate and they're hypoxic. We give them oxygen at that point. Breathing is adequate. They're oxygenated. We check for pulse, right? Because if they're sitting up, guess what they probably have? A pulse. a pulse, but now we're going to assess its adequacy, right? Is it too fast? Is it too slow? What do we need to do with them, right? If they're dizzy, what should we do? Lay them down, right? Help out with that a little bit. If they're short of breath, what do we do? Sit them up. But we take care of bleeding before vital signs and stuff like that, because after A, B, C, it then is time for D, transport decision. Is this a priority cut and run, or is this a stay and play, right? My other two Ds that go with that, differential diagnosis and decide on what kind of exam. So let's talk about those just for a second more. My, the three Ds, right? Decide transport, decide um, differential exam, diagnosis. which is gonna be one of two things, a focused or a, rapid. who gets a rapid? MOI, major, major mechanism of injury, altered mental status, altered mental status, which is kind of the ultimate altered mental status with a C that became a five apparently. Okay, single line cross out. Okay, there. Better? Mm -hmm. Might as well do it well. <laughs> and this is major. Okay. Focused, who gets that? Everyone else. Specific area. Nature I have a problem. I got a problem. What's going on? I have chest pain. Focused exam. What's going on? My hand's cut off. Focused exam. <laughs> How'd your hand get cut off? Well, I fell off a train and I got caught in a tree. Rapid exam, right? So it depends on the thing. I don't care. Getting your hand crushed in a crusher is not major mechanism to me. Unless there's something else that got crushed too, right? Uh, let's see here. So we get all of this stuff done. Now, I remember with this, evaluate for C-spine is completely different than immobilized C-spine, yes? Yes. What's the difference? One, you're holding it still, the other, you're checking to see if it's okay. Yeah, so evaluating for C-spine or stabilizing C-spine means all you're doing is holding. Please put the patient's head in a neutral inline position and don't let go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Done. Uh, mobilizing means you're putting them on a backboard. And how long does that take? A minute. A minute? Like a hot you're minute. good. A no, hot, hot minute. minute. Yeah. Yeah, you say like, oh yeah, that took me a minute. A minute not like, takes that one. That took me one minute. A minute. 
while. It means different things now, I promise. You gotta catch up with the. Yeah, you gotta. You really times. think I'm that uninformed? It's <laughs> I like it. He's like, nowadays we have different ways of talking. Contemporary, man. Says the guy with 1,400 followers on TikTok. What? I'm getting there. All right, now. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. What's yeah. your TikTok? <laughs> 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 Don't think. What? <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. I need to have a different account, though. You can come by Sophie Dossie challenged me to a uh, uh, contortionist yeah. battle. She won. <laughs> Not by much, though. It was close. Okay. Um, anyway, back to where we were. Important stuff. Okay. Uh, exam. And then the last one is the differential diagnosis, right? Which is what you think is wrong. And I didn't talk about this too much during our thing because I really wanted to get into the medicine side of it to do this. But I'm just going to put this out here. Your differential diagnosis helps guide your questioning, right? Because if I think you're having either a heart attack or angina or a pulmonary emboli, I'm going to aim my questioning at that versus if I thought you got punched in the chest, stabbed in the chest, or crushed by a horse. The questions are going to be a little bit different, right? Versus I thought you had asthma, right? So the differential diagnoses help me to figure that out. Now we get down to secondary exam. The secondary exam has three different components to it. What are they? Physical exam? History. History. Vitals. Which one is the most important? Depends. History. Oh, it depends. History is the most important. Yeah. I broke my finger. Yeah, well, like said, depending on what it is. Uh huh. So history is the most important for what? Medical. Medical calls. Because you know what? Honestly, if you do an exam on me for my chest pain, and my breath sounds are clear and equal, and it's atraumatic, and it doesn't hurt when you push on it, what'd you really learn from that? Versus I say it's heavy substernal chest pain that radiates to my jaw and neck. It feels like um, someone's squeezing me. It's rated 8 out of 10. I've had this pain before. Um, I already took two aspirin, right? Does that sound like the more important part for me? Versus I broke my arm. Okay, well, yeah, I want to know what happened to it, right? The OPQRSTs, how does it feel? But really, I'm focused on, on the physical exam a little bit more. That's more the trauma thing. And these can happen, vitals can happen kind of in the middle of those too, right? If you're running your crew well. Okay? So, um, let's see here. Let's see. You better know sample, and o sample OPQRST. Okay? That's just flat out, you better know what it stands for. Okay? Um, what's the difference between a sign and a symptom? Sign is tangible, you can observe it yourself, right? A symptom is? What you feel. What they feel, yeah, it's related to you. I feel nauseous or hot or cold or whatever. The patient has rigors and is shivering. That's one thing, okay? The patient feels cold is another one, right? So those. When do you get your first set of vital signs? When you arrive on scene. Hi, my name is Craig. They're going to take your vital signs. Yeah. No. It's in your secondary, right? First set of vital signs comes in your secondary, and you want to get them fairly soon. Your first set of vital signs is called your? Baseline. Baseline. After that, they're called? Trending. Trending. And how often should we trend? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Stable. So unstable every. Bye. Stable every. Fifteen. Fifteen. Bye, Maya. Bye, Maya. Peace. Okay. Good. Um, detailed assessment. Where should the detailed assessment happen? On the ambulance. On the ambulance. Who gets a detailed assessment? Life-threatening? Okay, so maybe life-threatening, maybe trauma. If you've got an unconscious patient, they should get a detailed assessment. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because you've got to look at everything to figure out what's going on. If you had a person who um, was in a major car crash or was shot or stabbed, major MOI, they should get a detailed exam because you want to find all of the stuff that's killing them, right? From there, the next question then is, 
Um, what if you're by yourself and you're busy doing something? Can you get a detail? I have a patient who's dying and I'm ventilating them. No. Should I stop ventilating them to get a detailed? No. 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 Okay. That goes for reassessment as well. You should reassess your patient every five to 15 minutes, depending on their status, and make sure that they're doing okay. But if you can't because of what's going on, then you can't. But you should, right? If you're alone, you can't get it done. You can't, you can't. Um, why do we reassess? Things change. Better, better or worse. Things are improving. Yeah, things change. They get better, they get worse. We gave a medicine, how did that go? We gave a treatment, how did that go? We splinted, how did that do? Right, we reassess after we backboard, right? That whole CSM thing. Um, what happens if you have a major change in your patient's condition? What do you do? Try and fix it. Start Intervene. Say it again. Start primary. Go back to the primary. Okay, if you have a major change in your patient's condition, suddenly they stop talking to you, suddenly they become unconscious, you go back to the top and you start that primary again with abu. Hey, hey, are you okay? Right, and if they don't wake up, that's, that's a change, right? But I'm now going to address airway to see if that's what caused them to have this major change. I'm gonna look at their breathing to see if that caused this major change. I'm gonna look at their oxygen to see if that caused this major, does that make sense? Makes so, so, go ahead. In, nope. in your PCR, when you're writing that at the end, you would just go through the, your initial one and then go back, or, and then continue, and so you had to go back and do another reassessment? So you mean like in the reassessment box? Um, you know, if I'm doing that and I'm going through that process, um, I'm probably writing most of that in my history, you know, physical exam, and then the transport, I would say, um, patient became unresponsive after second nitro, rechecked vital signs, found these changes and differences. That's where I'm going to put So you that. can just readjust? Yeah. Adjust yeah. Most patients, if there's not major changes, then you don't ever really put that. Patient continued transport without further change or incident. That kind of thing. Okay. Um, let's see here. DCAP BTLS. You should look that up. I don't know if your book says it yet, but you should look that up. DCAP BTLS is, look, is what you're looking for when you're doing physical exam. D stands for deformities, deformities contusions, abrasions, punctures or perforations, burns, tenderness, lacerations, and swelling. I know, look it up. It's okay, you can find it. But look up DCAP BTLS, just kind of have an understanding of that. What is a golden hour? I don't know that I talked much about that. You have generally an hour to live. You have one hour to live. <laughs> Just in general, and if somebody doesn't reset the clock, it's like, uh, yeah. well, an hour it's to assess for, like, organ. You have an hour to get First to the hospital? Hour care is most important. Most okay, so that's the most critical. And we did talk about that, because I know I talked about the platinum 10 minutes, right? So the golden hour is from time of injury to time at the doctor. Okay? Yeah, because there's a slide. It was in the very first section. It wasn't in this last section. But I just kind of throw that back out there. We have what we call the platinum 10 minutes, which is we shouldn't spend any more than 10 minutes on scene with a critical patient, right? The golden hour is from the time of the injury until the time we get them to the doctor. So if you've got a, you know, if you've got an injury and they waited 20 minutes to call you and then you took 10 minutes to get there and then you're 20 minutes on scene and you're, then you've got only 10 minutes to get to the doctor before you're out of that golden hour, right? But if you can trim that scene time down a little bit, that's gonna help you out. Okay, have a plan, make a plan. Make sure people know what the plan is before you start doing stuff. So let's talk about communication. What's the best way to get a response? Talk to them. Shut up. Because yeah. <laughs> I can talk to you all day and you're never gonna get a response in. It's like talking to my uh, mother-in-law. Just goes and goes and goes, right? So here's the deal. Um, let the patient talk. Use silence to your advantage. Ask a question. Ask what kind of questions? Open-ended open questions. Tell me about your chest pain, right? And then just shut up and see how many of the OPQRSTs and stuff that they, they tick off for you. They might get a bunch of them in and just there, well, you know, it's kind of like a, a heavy pressure that rolls over here to my shoulder and, oh man, it's so bad. You know, it started while I was just sitting there watching TV and, you know, normally it goes away.
right? But this time it didn't, which is why I thought I would call you. And the doctor gave me this nitro for it, but I didn't know if I should take it or not. What do I got? I got a whole bunch of stuff. I've got the quality. I've got radiation. I've kind of got severity. I'm going to go back to that and say, so you said it was really bad. So on a scale of 1 to 10, would you put it? Right? I was like a solid 8 or 9, right? You said you had this pain before. What did they say it was, right? See, that just shut up and get out of their way may let them come up with stuff. When you guys are patients, I have what I call the don't spill the beans rule, which means is that if, if you're playing the patient and we give you a bunch of history, then you can only give them the history that they specifically ask about. Okay, you can't give them everything. So, hi, how you doing? What's going on today? Well, I have chest pain. It's heavy substernal pressure that radiates to my jaw. It started while I was watching TV and then stumbling snow, and it's lasted about 20 minutes, but you know what? I didn't know what it was going to feel like. And I take aspirin, I take nitro, and I have on erectile dysfunction drugs, and, right, you, you got to let them dig in, right? Make them ask questions, because that's part of the process. The don't spill the beans. When you um, get a doctor's order, what should you do? Repeat it back. That's called parroting it back or echoing it back. So a doctor says, I want you to give this. It was funny. I got a lot of people, uh, I don't know how to do that. So I'm going to tell them I don't know how to do that. Which you're right. But the process is repeat the order back to the doctor, right? Um, let's see here. Dispatch stuff. Uh, we talked about dispatch stuff. Here's the deal. What they tell you may be true. It might be helpful. It's not guaranteed to be wrong. In fact, 90% of the time, dispatchers send me with really good information. But I don't base my call off of dispatch, okay? I base where I'm going off of there, the things they tell me is a warm-up, but when I walk in, I should be prepared for it to be something completely different, okay? And it's not the dispatcher's fault. So it may be true, it may not be true. So there is value to it. Listen to them. Um, reports. So if you're calling into the doctor, what kind of things do you need to tell the doctor when you're calling in for a med order? Vitals. Vitals. Okay. Chief allergies. Complaint. Chief complaint. Allergies, maybe. I don't do a lot of allergies unless it's appropriate for me to tell them because I would have checked it already. Okay. Pertinent medical history. Pertinent medical history. How about age and sex of the patient, yeah. right? So if I were to give a, a call in for a doctor, it's going to be something along the lines of, uh, hey, doc, this is EMT Russell with North, or with uh, Front Range Ambulance. We're on scene with a 27-year-old female with a chief complaint of shortness of breath. She has a history of asthma, says this feels like her standard asthma attack. It's been a while since she's had to be in for this, and she's out of her inhaler right now, so she hasn't used it. Currently, she's got wheezing in both lungs and diminished in the bases. She's breathing about 24 to 30 times a minute with some difficulty. Her heart rate is 114. Her blood pressure is uh, uh, 114 over 76. And, oh, oh you're good. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is give her some albuterol, 2.5 milligrams and 3 milliliters of normal saline and follow that up with uh, continuous oxygen. Uh, these have a I have everything, I have a history, okay? Notice I didn't ask about it, tell them how it is, but you get a right? So that's the kind of stuff you need. Short to the point, because otherwise they're going to get really tired of listening to you. Um, watch the docs do the stuff to watch some of the biophone reports and they'll be on there and they'll just be like sleep on the golfing Thursday. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I missed that last thing, right? Because they just don't care. Uh, when you call into the hospital, what things are we what are they trying to figure out? Three what? Uh, so who? I mean you need to tell them who you are and what you're bringing in because the hospital wants to figure out three what's. What room, what equipment, and what people. That's what we want to figure out. What room, what equipment, and what personnel. So it's very similar to that doc one that we were calling. Hey, listen, this is uh, EMT Russell with Front Range Angeles. We're in route, non-emergent with a 20-year-old male. Um, chief complaint, shortness of breath. We showed up, he was breathing about 40 times a minute. He has carpal pedal spasms. 
We've been working on some coaching for um, hyperventilation. His breathing's gotten a little bit easier. His breast sounds have been clear and equal bilaterally the entire time. Uh, the cramping in his hands is starting to let up at this time. He is pulse oxygen at 98%. We're probably about four to six minutes out. Any questions? Do I have a pretty good version of that, right? What's going on, what we've been doing so far? Oh, and set of vitals, I gave him the ventilation rate, but I didn't give him the blood pulse, but you have a pretty good idea of what's happening yes. with that patient, right? I'm gonna put him in a regular room with a regular nurse, and I'm not gonna do any specific stuff. Versus I'm coming in with a 74-year-old patient who's on uh, who's on CPAP right now. That means I need to have my CPAP machine there because I don't get to keep the ambulance one. <laughs> don't worry, we're not all scared. Of that. It's fine. I mean, I'm used to it. Have you ever done serving? Serving? No, I take care of 144 kids a day, though. Oh, well, there you go. But. So. So they basically do what you just did. I think, yes, so I'm used to cleaning up after them. Okay. All right, let's see here. So here's the deal. Don't put extra stuff in your radio reports. What happens if you've got important important radio traffic that you want to tell people? What should you do? Press that red button. Clear, call for clear radio radio silence. Oh, you still need to listen because you can't just like stomp on them. If you just push the button and start talking, that's not going to fix it. Listen for that time in the middle where it's clear, okay? Unless you're being shot at and then you push the orange button, right? But if you've got, you know, priority traffic, you know, oh, this is EMT Russell, I have priority traffic. Clear the waves, clear the channel, over, right? That, yes. Let them finish what they're saying real quick, then come on and say, yeah, this is important traffic. Um, handoff report. What happens in the handoff report? Uh, you hand to the one assuming care. Introduce the patient. Yeah, now you get to introduce the patient. You get to say, um, this is Mark. He is... You know, 27 year old male, chief complaint, toenail fungus, called us today because he was really stoned. So it's really more <laughs> the other side. He thought the smoking weed would fix it, continues to, you know, smoke and blow it at his toes. It's in the military, they had him pee on it, but he wasn't comfortable doing that anymore. Um, totally works. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Patient care report. You should know some basic stuff about your patient care report. What kind of things you should be doing. It's a legal document. Understand who can refuse. Mental status is part of that. Adult is part of that. And um, informed is part of that, right? What do you do with an error? Cross a line. Single line, initial, and rewrite, right? Or hit backspace several times and fix it if it's electronic, which is nice. I don't know how many more years I actually have to teach that. <laughs> but I have to be teaching it for now, because some people still do those things. Um, yeah. Know your order of operations uh, along with this. Know where stuff is. You just did this, what's next? And it's based off of BS name, primary assessment stuff, right? That's important because if I say you just assessed the breathing and found it to be, found your patient to have adequate but labored breathing, what's next? Circulation. Decide about oxygen. Right? Because that's your next step. Because it is A, B, O, 2, C, 3, 3, D's. Okay. Questions? Anything that feels unclear? This test is a little bit harder than the last one. It's a little more critical thinking. The next one after that gets to be even more so. So be ready for it. Yeah. Good. Be amazing. We'll see you next week. Just kidding. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs> Austin was like, yes.
Oh, fine. Making sure they don't stick together. <laughs> I do. I owe you a new notebook, bro. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I get it. Sorry. Okay. Bye -bye. Dad jokes. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Oh, man. We're meeting at the same IHOP, right? No, we're going to IHOP. Going to IHOP? Yeah, IHOP is good. Dude, I'm going to get hot chocolate again. IHOP. Go chase it. Go. International House of Wait, maybe? Here, just don't get the hot chocolate again. Okay, have a good one, guys. Why don't get the hot chocolate?